In today's episode, we have Carlos Miguel. Um, welcome, Carlos. And why should our audience tune into that episode? What's in it for them? If you want to learn about underserved markets and health insurance opportunities for them that have never thought about it before, bringing good to them, you want to listen to this. Engage. Welcome to the podcast where we deliver business insights and tactics in every episode. Get ready to dive into insightful business conversations with our podcast host, Omar Tarek. This podcast is brought to you by Destiny Engage, the customer engagement platform for growing businesses. And welcome to another episode of Engage. This is your host, Omar Tarek. Um, and today we have Carlos Miguel. Welcome, Carlos. Good morning. Well, good afternoon for you, Omar, here in Peru. It's morning, 7 a.m. and ready to go. Very happy to talk to you. Looking forward to it. Good morning to you. Um, so for the audience, Carlos is, a, an, is an insurance guru. Um, and saying guru is not enough because I would even say Carlos is an advocate for the industry. Uh, he pushes the industry's boundaries in, in underserved populations and markets. Um, but just to get to give you some background about Carlos, he was born into the industry uh, when his dad was a pioneer and started the first uh, broker firm in Peru. Um, so Carlos has been working in the insurance industry for more than 30 years. He joined companies as executives. He founded his own startups at multiple occasions. Um, and currently, he's a managing partner in a, in a, is it a startup, Carlos, or it's more of a, an established uh, business? No, it's like it's a startup. It's been around for a bit over a year. It's just that the two partners are veterans. So I guess we're not startups. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, Carlos is currently serving as the managing partner at the Insurance Elephant. Uh, which is an insurance startup based uh, in India, but also works cross-border. Um, so, Carlos, a pleasure having you with us. I guess what I would like to start with is you've held several leadership positions in insurance companies, whether they're carriers or brokers, and you've also went your own route and started your own companies in the industry. Um, would be good to get an understanding of what what the differences are and and why do you keep going back to starting your own business? Thank you. Um, I guess it, it's got a lot to do with my background and my formation. You know, uh, like you mentioned, my father started the first broker here in Peru in 1963. So he, I guess he he definitely established something that didn't exist here. However, it existed around the world already. I was born later than 63, uh, but, you know, uh, throughout my my youth, until I started working with my dad, I really had no clue what he did. You know, it was really, really hard, you know, telling people what my father did, you know. So it, it wasn't frustrating, it was just interesting. But then when I joined the industry, you know, I, I was supposed to follow the footsteps of my dad in, in the corporate world, the reinsurance world, the, the world where he, he, he built his business. You know, but I, but as I got more involved and, you know, with him and eventually I went to London to work for Marsh on the reinsurance side, I realized that even though I was fun on the corporate side, I was more interested on the affinity side, on the personal side, 
you know, and, and expanding the market. And, and it's just something that sort of came up to maybe, me naturally. Maybe for our audience who are not very familiar with Marsh, maybe you can give a, a, a yeah, quick... Marsh uh, is, yeah, Marsh is the biggest broker in the world. And in 63, when my father started his business, he started representing them. So mm-hmm. I, I grew up within Marsh, you know, throughout my life. I heard Marsh, Marsh, Marsh. And, you know, when they asked me what my father did, I said he worked for Marsh. And so it sounded <laughs> interesting because it was an American name. But apart from that, you know, Marsh was and is still very a, a corporate focused company, you know, and. But since I joined the industry, my, my passion naturally came on the affinity side, on the personal side. And eventually I ended up working with Marsh because Marsh bought my father's company. However, I was going in one direction and Marsh was going the other direction in the sense that Marsh was a corporate company, you know. So what I was mm-hmm. trying to do didn't really fit, you know, but I learned a lot from them. You know, it's it's a great... Well, were you there when the acquisition happened? Were you there when Marsh acquired yeah, I, your I was, company? Yeah, I was there. I was there, you know, but I didn't last too long because Marsh mm-hmm. went through some changes, you know, worldwide regarding the affinity business at the, in the early 2000s, you know. Um, so I went back to the carrier where I started, Pacifico Seguros here in Peru. And again, I was able to do various things, but always my passion was on, on the personal side, on the affinity side. So when the, I ended up... A, quitting or finishing my my stay at the corporate world back in 2012 and was deciding what to do, I got this crazy idea of building something that belonged to a category that still wasn't around, which was an insurtech. I started mm-hmm. building what was HelloZoom. You know, you know, it lasted seven years. It was a great run. But I guess we were ahead of the curve and building something like that in Peru, being such a small market is... Was so was that was was Hello Zoom your first venture into? Yes. I want to start my own company in the insurance industry. Yeah, after twenty years in the corporate world, I said enough. You know, if I want to do what I want to do, I, I can't do it in the corporate world. You know, I, I was trying to do something that didn't really fit with the corporate world, or or didn't fit with established companies on what they were doing. You know, and what was Hello Zoom's uh, business? What were you active? You said InsureTech, so I'm assuming some sort of a platform. I started. You see, when when I finished in in the corporate world, I, I sat in front of a computer, not really knowing what, what to do. Okay, so I had a chance to set up my own broking firm, work for another broker try to work for a carrier, but I said, no, you know, I see a big opportunity in trying to build something from the consumer's perspective. Okay. Throughout my career, what I had seen is that everything that was built was, was built from the perspective of the carrier or the broker, but no one was really building anything from the consumer's perspective. You know, even though everyone said the consumer, the consumer, but then when, when you looked at yourself in the mirror as a consumer, you would realize that no one was building anything from your perspective, you know, so I decided, okay, what is there out there? You know, and I started looking. I remember going into the app store and looking for apps in the insurance world, and there were three, and they didn't really do anything. You know, they were really bad. This is back in 2012. So I went into the financial side of the applications, and I found one at the top that said Mint, M-I-N-T, Mint.com, Money Intelligence, out of the U.S. And when I went in, I realized these guys had built something from the consumer's perspective in the financial uh, industry, which is you can put all your financial relationships in one place. Okay. 
So I said, wow, it would be nice to put all my insurance products indistinctly of how I got them or where they came from in one place. You know, wow. and I always remember my wife telling me, you know, asking me about products we have and how they work. And I had no clue about anything, even though I came from the industry. You know, she would call me and how do I use them? The, the, the medical policy. Mm-hmm. I got no clue. Call someone, mm-hmm. you know, call mm-hmm. the broker or something like that. You know, who's even because, the broker and who's the who's who's the carrier. And sometimes you don't know that information at hand. So so when I started looking at building a model like Mint, you know, couple of things came to my mind. One, it, it was going to be very hard because the, the key to Mint being successful is that the APIs in the U.S. for financial institutions were open by law. Okay. Mm. So then connecting to the financial institutions to the APIs was done overnight, literally, you know, so it was very quick. In the insurance industry back in 2012, not a single company had an API or probably didn't even know what an API was. So that was hard. So that was a, a challenge. But on the other side, what I was able to validate through interviews, I interviewed more than 500 people myself. You realize that consumers throughout the world, you know, because we relate to the industry the same way throughout the world, had, you know, four main problems. It's to know what products I have, where I have them, how they work, will they work? And at the end of the day, I depend on third parties to do anything. I have no autonomy and control. You know, so if, if you think about the industry, we only do two things. Either you consult information or you do transactions. Mm-hmm. Consulting information can go all the way from a quote. So quoting, asking for a quote, you're consulting information to consulting information regarding your product or other products. It is very broad how we can consult information. And transactions, there's only five. You can buy, you can pay, you can use, you can modify, and you can renew a product. Five, that's it, you know. And all the time when you buy a policy, you are agreeing on business rules. Okay, a policy is full of business rules. You agree with the carrier. However, you don't have any autonomy to interact with those rules. And I'll use as an example on a banking institution. You know, you go to a bank branch, for example, you open an account, you get a debit card, you go into the ATM machine, and you can interact with the business rules. Or with your app with a bank, you can transfer money. You you can you know exchange currencies. You can pay for a loan. You can do all you can, kinds. You of can things. modify the limit of withdrawing, limit yeah, of sending yeah. money abroad, etc. And and what you are doing is interacting with the business rules you have agreed. Correct. However, in the insurance, if you want to modify your policy, you got to call the broker. You got to call the carriers. You have no autonomy and control. Okay, mm-hmm. so having that in mind and having mint, you know, I said, okay, how can we build the mint of insurance? You know, but as I was in that process and having no APIs to connect, I also realized that all distribution channels needed to provide a mint to their clients. Okay, and and here I'll make a parenthesis that I think it's important. It's regarding the roles in the industry. Okay, Mm -hmm. we always talk about the broker, the carrier, or whoever. Okay, but I think we should focus on roles, and there's seven roles in the industry. You have the role of the consumer, you have the role of the distribution channel, the role of the advisor, the role of the risk taker who's taking on the risk, the role of the regulator, the role of the reinsurer, and the role of the service provider, which can be a garage a hospital, anyone providing services, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have seven roles, okay? So anyone that has the role of a distribution channel, 
needs to provide an app or the equivalent of an ATM machine to their clients so that their clients can interact with the products. They got to consult and they got to do transactions. This also came to my mind because uh, reading and following Mint throughout time, I realized that what happened to Mint is that when they came out, not soon after, banks, regional banks, small banks started approaching them and saying, look, I'm not going to compete with you. Can I get a Mint white label so that my clients can interact with my products using your platform? Using your, your ecosystem. I'm starting to yeah. see where you're going. That's that's getting really interesting. You know, so, so you know, you start thinking and you say, okay, my broker, and let's use Marsh as the, as the example, or AXA as a carrier or a sewer, if you have a sewer product, you want to be able to go into an application, just like your bank, and interact with your product. So everyone needs the ATM okay, model. So what we did is we went from the Mint for the final client, which would have been fantastic, but without the APIs, we had to pivot into develop a white label SaaS product for anyone that has a role of a distribution channel. So that could be a carrier, it could be a broker, it could be an agent, it could be a bank, anywhere that distributes insurance, okay? So that's how we pivoted, but you know, our first and client- was it was it for transacting purposes or more advisory yeah, yeah, yeah. oriented or both? No, 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 both, you know? So both. in order to get the APIs built, we needed leverage that we didn't have. So mm. me coming from the Marsh world and knowing the Marsh team here in Peru really well, they saw the, the upside they had. They were not going to invest really any money because I was taking on the risk, you know. So they became my first client and they helped me or helped themselves to get the carriers to build the APIs for auto insurance, which is the first mm. product we started. So back in 2018, we were able to issue the first policy, fully digital auto, end-to-end in less than 30 seconds. Wow, in Peru. In Peru. Because of and the digi- digital thing. signature was approved by the regulation. Everything, everything, you wow. know. So it you've made history. Yeah, I guess we did, but, you know, eh, and I got no problem because we were able to do something that I had not done before. We would have expected a different outcome after seven years. But you so know, how, how are digital sales now? So you've done that in 2018, um, and that was the first end-to-end yeah. transaction yeah, that happened is, digitally in Peru. Yeah, How's the market looking that, now? The thing is this, that consumers' approach to digitally interacting with a tool, any tool, to buy anything, is a mm-hmm. habit that hasn't been developed in Peru and this part of the world, like in many places. You know, people are hesitant to go end-to-end on a digital platform indistinctly of the product and putting their credit card at the end. You know, people that just don't do that. And in the case of insurance, it's even more complicated because people don't understand anything, you know? So you always want to talk to someone, you know? So face-to-face so, distribution yeah. still remains uh, popular. But however, the relationship between the distribution channel and the carrier would become fully digital. So mm-hmm. the efficiencies you would gain just by doing that would be incredible because everything is done either emails you know handshakes pdfs smoke signals or whatever they do you know but you know fully digital we were not exchanging information because at the other day if you think about it all we need to do is change the means in which we exchange information It, it sounds very simple 
Okay, so instead of you sending me a paper, send it through a, a API or a web service, send me the information. So all I'm asking you is to change the means in which we exchange information. So so, so what you're mentioning here, and, and it's very interesting because personally I come from Egypt, right? And it's also uh, a developing market in, in a lot of those industries that are not super advanced in, in, in digitization um, and adopting uh, modern, modern tools and technologies. So I like how you said all you need to do is change the way you exchange information. I think this is the technology aspect of it. And usually that's the easy aspect of it because the real challenge comes in when, 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 when you're trying to get the consumers to get used to this uh, new means yes. or new technological ways of, of doing business or exchanging information. Um, so I, I really like how you put it. Personally, yeah. I think that the real challenge actually occurs with change, switching the consumer's mindset to a more digital approach. Yeah, but you got two consumers, remember. Okay, you, you if you look at it, you got the end consumer, the distribution channel, and taking and the all the risk on the back, the carrier. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you gotta convince two people here, the consumer and the distribution channel. Okay. The easy part is the distribution channel. So the, the distribution channel is going to interact with the carrier. Because they're the ones that suffer the most also, because they're between this and that, and they need to interact with the yeah. consumer, with the carrier. Yeah. So it's like my father used to say, you know, it's like a salami approach. So you don't mm -hmm. buy a piece of salami and bite it. You cut it, you know? So here you got to cut the problem, you know? So you got the carrier and you got the distribution channel. If you fix this, and then you can concentrate on the consumer, which is a much harder thing because you not only have to convince consumer to interact with you digitally on the insurance products that you have, but you have to, he has to develop a habit of interacting digitally with anyone, with any mm -hmm. product in their life, whether it's banking or e-commerce in a shopping mall or whatever, you know, so it's two different things, you know. And you're not going to be able to develop habits on your own when it comes to consumer interacting digitally with, with the world, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know. So, but but as we go along with this, what what happens is that everyone is still thinking about the top part of part of the pyramid, which is where the business is right now. So everyone is focusing on the same companies they're targeting, the same individuals, and the market keeps on growing one percent. Okay, and everyone forgets about the other half of the world you know and and, and the interesting part here is that i love that when you, and then... when, when you talk to people say you and i are talking okay for mm -hmm. you and i for different reasons we don't think about health insurance because it's a given we have it okay whether you get it through your company or whether you have the purchasing power to purchase a product okay so even though we know that the most important product for us and our family is health insurance, that's a given. But you and I don't think about it and don't talk about it because it's a given. We have it. So when you look at the industry right now and they keep on focusing on the same top part of the pyramid, they don't think really about health insurance, you know, as a necessity because it's a given that people have it. So they're worrying about embedded insurance for your laptop, for your mobile, for your dog, for your bicycle, you know, and, and fine. They, 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 oh. they focus more on upselling their existing customer base 
which is in many cases a privileged enough customer base to already own an insurance product like a health insurance. And the carriers just keep on, on horizontally selling more insurance products to you um, without thinking how they can tap into the underserved market. And I'd like to use this as a good segue to, to mention that Carlos is very passionate about bringing health insurance to the underserved populations. Um, and his company, Insurance Elephant, is on, is on a mission to do so. Um, so please, Carlos, enlighten us more with how you're Thank planning you. how you're planning to, to 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 change the world like that. Well, if you cut the world in half, let's be simple. You know, three point five billion people don't have access to quality health insurance. You know, uh, I guess in most countries throughout the world, you know, maybe eighty percent of the countries throughout the world, uh, health insurance. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's something you don't get easily. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, it is still very focused in all of the countries at the top part, you know, private insurance or the socioeconomic pyramid. And then the rest of the population has to deal with whatever plan the government provides, you know, and depending on the government, you know, how good or bad it is. But usually it's very bad, you know, getting access to health insurance in many parts of the world, you know, it, it, it's, it's an exclusive club. You know, you, you don't get it, you know. Indeed. So th- there's about 3.5 billion people that are in dire need of having quality health services. Governments are not going to provide them overnight. That is going to take time. I wish we could just go like this and every government will pro- would provide health insurance quality services to their uh, population. But that's not going to so happen for very That's governments. What's stopping carriers from tapping into this well, market? That's a good question that I don't have an answer, to be honest, because I think you, there we are. When you talk to people, you know, they give you different answers, okay? But at the end of the day, my two cents is that they haven't really thought about it or they haven't found a way to penetrate it, you know? So they're like looking from the outside waiting for the opportunity to come in and that's what we're looking for you know so if you think about health there's three blocks we should think about okay first is what it's called your out-of-pocket expenses okay and we all have out-of-pocket expenses okay and depending on what level you are in the socioeconomic you know pyramid how much you spend okay however if you start going down the pyramid the people at the bottom they get killed with that because it takes up most of their uh, income okay Mm -hmm. as you come down you know it takes up more of your income but we're all spending money whether you're buying a medication you know tylenol or you're buying diapers or you're buying milk for your baby or whatever we all have an out-of-pocket expense okay so that's one thing the other thing you have is what is called opd which is outpatient insurance okay it's our day-to-day consultations so my stomach hurts i want to go see a doctor well, you know, my, my arm is hurting a bit, you know, I want to go see a doctor. That's our day-to-day consultations, you know. And our day-to-day consultations basically involves the consultation, medications, probably some lab work or some images. That That's what you really have, okay. And then the third block is the inpatient, you know, which is hospitalizations, uh, emergencies, surgeries. That's inpatient, okay. Well, undershore okay. populations, biggest problem is in the out-of-pocket because those guys don't have OPD or IPD. They just don't have it. And if the government provides it, 
it is very bad, okay? Especially the outpatient, okay? Trying to get, for example, uh, an appointment here approved through the social security can take a couple months, okay? In, in Egypt, for example, it's one of the biggest expenses and Egypt uh, has a large poor and underserved populations, population. And one of the biggest costs and challenges is always uh, around healthcare and around uh, indeed out of patient uh, and uh, and just going to the pharmacy, buying something, getting an appointment to check on their stomach. Um, and, and those are expensive because it's heavily private market. Yeah, so, so if you think about it, you know, from a risk perspective, you know, if you can provide out of pocket and OPD relief, you know, you would probably get less people on the backside in the in the inpatient because people are taking care of their daily needs in a proper way. You mm-hmm. know, because if it takes two months to get an appointment because my ear is hurting, when I get my appointment, probably my ear has fallen off. You know, so <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, okay. so in this process with Patrick Elehan, my partner at the Insurance Elephant. You know, we we started learning from different underserved markets in Africa and mainly India, one that we are very similar throughout the world, okay? Probably we are 80% similar throughout the world. Uh, 20% is just our, our local things we have, but 80% is pretty much the same, you know? Humans are humans. And we, yeah, you know, and <laughs> we have the same problems, you know, uh, the same issues, you know? So, you know, we were doing a lot of work in India and we discovered in India this world that is called discount cards, you know, and today we are partners with Patrick in Health Mitra, which is a, a company we recently launched with Michael Nasres, our, our local partner, you know, in India to go into the discount card business. Okay. You're, you're, you're saying for audience, you're saying discount cards. Yes. What so are discount you're, cards? You're, it's you're a, applying it's, discount cards to insurance products. Is that what you're trying to do? I'm applying discount cards to your out-of-pocket expense. I'm not talking about insurance yet. Okay? okay. So I have a huge population throughout the world, you know, that has big out-of-pocket expenses in, in regards to their income. India being one of the countries in the world that has the highest out-of-pocket expense for people for various reasons. Just so, to clarify, out of box ex- out of box expenses are things like going pocket. to a pharmacy. Out of pocket are like going yeah, to a pocket. pharmacy, consulting with a doctor, yeah, etc. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, uh, my kid has a stomachache. You know, mm-hmm. I know what he has. I go to the pharmacy, I buy him some medicine, bring it home. He drinks it. He's doing better. I didn't have to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I go to the pharmacy. And I asked the pharmacy guy, hey, my kid has a stomach. So the pharmacy guy ends up acting as a doctor and he tells you what to to, to buy, you know? Makes so, so out of pocket, you know. It's one of the it's, most it's, common it's expenses. It's one of the most common expenses also for for the underserved populations because they don't know where to go. They just walk in. Yeah, or they will go to someone they know. They have a friend who is a doctor. They have a relative, you know. Yeah, they'll find correct. ways, you know. But out-of-pocket is a huge expense that all these people have. So how do we tackle out-of-pocket? Okay, And I'm not talking about insurance yet, okay? How do I lower that number? So if, say, Omar, you know, has an out-of-pocket expense of $100 a month or 100 whatever you want to call it, Okay. 
how do I help Omar bring that 100 to 70 or to 60? You know, mm. how do I help him? You know, uh, you know, and that's what you have to think, you know, because if I help, if I help Omar lower that expense, okay, I'm generating a benefit to him, but also by lowering the expense, I can probably allow Omar to go to a certain consultations that he couldn't go in the private sector before because he didn't have the money, okay? Or because it's too expensive. So really what you're thinking is across the board, lower the expense that person has of its out of pocket, okay? I love that. And if you, and if you just pause here, I think the solution to the problem is solid. And is a is a is a is a very smart solution because what you're doing is you're applying one of the oldest marketing tactics out there, which is discount cards, to a product types of products and services that no one would think that this marketing tactic would actually work for. So in terms of a problem solution fit, I think this is a great proposition. Um, I'm curious. Because if you look at it from an operational standpoint, you've got the the service providers, so the pharmacies, the doctors, etc., and you've got the patients on the other side. When it comes to go to market, how do you map out these two? Uh, how do you ensure yeah. that? Yeah, in India, it's a business that has been going on for over 20, 10 years ago. It's become more sophisticated. Okay. Uh, but I stay with the simple part, the initial part, okay? We don't need to get sophisticated now, okay? okay? But keep in mind that in India, it is very common to sell the, the discount card with some sort of outpatient insurance, okay? Okay, so, or you can buy it separately, but around 50% of the people that buy a discount card end up buying an outpatient insurance, okay? And what happens here is that a lot of these people do have certain income, to buy outpatient insurance, which is very cheap. It can be very cheap because you're not doing any of the complex stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. Just doing consultations. It is very, you can package it, okay? Mm -hmm. So it becomes a way of bringing people into the insurance industry, which is the biggest challenge. How do I get more people to buy insurance? Well, you gotta look from the consumer's perspective. So you're thinking of their initial need, the out-of-pocket. They start gaining trust with you because it's a very simple product to understand because you have a list of the discounts you have and where you can go get those discounts, you know, very simple. To communicate, to use, the use can be immediate because I can buy with you right now the card and I walk across the street and I get my discount. It is not insurance. Right. I, I, I think this is really interesting and worth pausing. So what you're saying is there is outpatients in, outpatient insurance and inpatient insurance. Um, yeah. And yeah. for the audience, outpatient insurance means it's insurance for seeing doctors or getting some uh, some medical advice, but without staying in a hospital, without having to stay for one or two nights in a hospital. Uh, Go the other way, you know. Outpatient doesn't cover emergencies, operations, or staying in the hospital. Okay. And inpatient covers those three areas. Those three areas, okay. So whatever is not covered there, it becomes outpatient. Your day-to-day -day okay. consultations. And, and who's is it? Is it the carriers that are building uh, insurance products for outpatients? Who's who's building oh, yeah, those yeah, products? Yeah, yeah. It, it, in India, they're very advanced. In you know, I I've been lucky to to be able to 
to sort of work with the Marsh people in India. I keep on coming to Marsh. That's <laughs> um, where you started. That's where, it's where the story started. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I've been able to learn by no stretch of the imagination. I'm an expert on the Indian market or in India's country. I'm learning and I still got a lot to learn, you know. Uh, so I've been able to tap different people to learn. And uh, from what I've been able to see in India, you know, separating outpatient from inpatient is, 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 has been key. Okay, and it's something that is still developing and it's still growing. And is, is that However, an attempt to target the underserved indeed? Is that is, is the reason they're they're separating those two products is to make one of the products cheaper and more accessible by the underserved? Yeah, but not only for the underserved, but for the people that also get insurance right now, because remember in group programs, say in your office, the group programs, they're always tricky to keep the prices low, you know. So brokers like Marsh and other brokers have been sort of cutting the product in half and separating it to try to lower cost. We only give these employees outpatient. These other employees, we give the full product. You know? so, so that's something they've been doing as mm -hmm. discount cards have been developing. You know, So, so, so discount cards is a very simple co concept. You pay very little money, very little money, and you can subscribe to this club that gives you all these discounts in medical services and products, you know, that you can use immediately, you know, so it lowers your out-of-pocket expense, boom, it brings it down immediately, okay? So as you start gaining trust in this new concept, when someone offers the OPD insurance, the outpatient, and you have the means to pay for it, you have a better relationship with the industry as you're starting than you did before. Because in the past, what would happen, I would target the outpatient, the the underserved population, and they don't trust insurance companies. They don't understand what you're talking. So you got to mm -hmm. go around, mm -hmm. which is build it from the consumer's perspective. And in India, they did that. They realized that discount cards was a way of getting something to the underserved populations. And it became a road to actually bring more people into the industry and start selling OPD and maybe IPD insurance. You know, it, it's it's a flow that it has, so a it's, natural it's, one. It's a progression of value is, is what you're trying to say. So what you're trying to do in my, in my, if I'm understanding this correct, is you're bundling your discount card with service providers who offer OPD outpatient insurance. Um, and instead of telling, like if the consumer is not ready already to subscribe to an OPD, then the discount card would be the first value they need to hit in order to kind of, uh, yeah, uh, promote and go to the OPD, actually. Is, is that the case? Yeah, or I could go, say, to, 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 to say, you know, I don't know, a bank, okay, in, in India. But are they competing? Yeah. Is, is, the, is the discount card concept competing with the OPD insurance in any way? No, no, no. It's two different okay. things. One okay. is regulated. The other one is not regulated to start off, okay? Ah, okay. Okay. One is not, discount cards is not insurance, okay? At least in the countries I've seen it in Africa, uh, you know, and in this part of the world, in most countries, they can come into a market as just a membership to a club, okay? Yeah. And, and as a membership to a club, I can even go and put an ad in the newspaper and say, the first 500,000 people that sign up have a free card for three months. And I can just give it away for three mm -hmm. months for people to use. And then, and they're going to use it because it will touch their pockets right away. And after a third month, I can say, okay, from now on, it's going to cost you a couple bucks a year. 
percent, whatever. Mm. You know, so yeah. So discount cards, at least in my perspective, and working with Pat and in India with Michael, uh, AJ, and the rest of the team, you know, uh, we realize that it's a model we can extrapolate from India and take it to other countries. You know, it's sort of like the the, the Starbucks model, if you want, you know, mm -hmm. give and take. Mm -hmm. So currently, we're working in 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 Kenya, an opportunity. Uh, we're looking through a partner to try to do the same thing in Nigeria, for example. Uh, I'm working and setting up a company here in Peru. Uh, we're looking at a market in Mexico, uh, even the U.S. You know, uh, the U.S. has like forty. So, million so you partner, you partner with local companies in those markets to bring the discount cards to 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 the, to the market. Is that is that how you approach uh, yeah, geographical what, expansion? What we've done, yeah, what we've done right now is we're relying on, on people we know that we've been doing things in the past or, or we know from the industry, you know, and saying, look, you know, we, we have this, you know, it's very easy to set up. This is how we set up. This is how it works. It's very little investment because it's very little investment you have to do. You can be up on fairly quickly, you know, depending on the market. Uh, you can go with a white label strategy, so you don't even have to do branding. You use other distribution channels that will put their name, or you can go with your name, you know, and, you know, you got to build a local team in which one of the persons in the local team needs to have experience in the health industry, you know, mm -hmm. because you got to be able to navigate the health industry, you know, mm -hmm. but to me, the perfect partner would be a carrier. Because because yeah. it's not only it's not only a distribution channel for you it's also for them because that's kind of a, a way to attract more leads to to their outpatient insurance policies uh, and and kind of take customers through that value value progression uh, stream I, I I love I love the idea there I think it's a brilliant way to to look at the go to market. If you look at the insurance company, you know, the insurance company will say, well, you know, it's very little investment. It is not insurance. So maybe you have to set up a new company. It costs two cents to set up a new company. Very little people. And it's going to generate me a flow of information of people that I can target afterwards with an OPD or IPD or whatever product I want, always focusing on health, which is what these people need. Because if you go to a person that doesn't have health insurance and try to sell them a uh, you know, um, uh, an insurance for their phone is the world is oh. upside down. You know, I don't want the phone. I want my health. You know, I want my kid when he has a stomach problem to be able to go see a private doctor and not have to wait in line for a month, you know? So discount cards, personally... So you're I normalizing insurance products for the underserved population by bringing them a product that's closer to their heart, a product that they can understand, digest, and use without having to go through all the fancy uh, distribution networks through the, the broker, the carrier, going through the policy details, et cetera. It's, well, it's, it's a really simple it, way. Yeah. Anyone, even brokers, you know, brokers can go to their, uh, to their corporate clients or the companies they work with that don't necessarily provide health insurance to other employees. You know, so for example, here in Peru, uh, health insurance only penetrates about 25% of the working population in a company. Mm -hmm. The reason being is that it's expensive to use, even though the company can pay the premium to use, it costs money, while in the social security, even though it's really bad, it's free, you know, so 
the, 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 it's really you're here and then boom, you fall off the cliff. You know, the, the people that don't have anything. Either you're at the top or you're at the bottom. There's no in-betweens. And the mass is at the bottom. It's not at the top. So instead of fighting for the 1%, the market grows, which is very complex because you're selling complex products that have all kinds of things. In, you got 3.5 billion people that are looking for something, for some relief, you know, and someone right. in the India way back has already found something that can be the magic pill that we're all looking for, you know, and it's about expanding it. You know, and, and the market can go from seven billion trillion dollars worldwide. Maybe it can go to eight, nine, or ten by just bringing in the underserved population into the market. But more important, you will be doing a good for these people. Yes, it's a business for going to make money. And I think it. that's actually, and and in my opinion, I think the the humanitarian um, element of your business model is very powerful and I'd like to put that even first before the business opportunity. I think working on giving something to the underserved populations is, is a humanitarian mission and is something that, that carries a lot of um, a lot of honor in it. Um, and I'm very proud of, of that mission you're in. And if we look at it also from a business perspective, there is a huge potential for insurance products or similar something a concept similar to an insurance products uh, to bridge that gap for the underserved population and, and give them access to those uh, first world privileges um i love the mission carlos um so thank you very much oh, for, elabor for elaborating on it um if someone is willing and curious to to learn more about what your comp what what insurance elephant does what is what is the best way they can they can reach you carlos linkedin uh, send me a message uh, either through insurance elephant or my own personal one if you want to connect more than happy i connect with everyone i think everyone's got something to bring to the table but more than happy not only to connect but talk that's how we met remember you know through, through a connection in LinkedIn, you know, and uh, I would be sure. very happy anyone that wants to reach out. I'm passionate about it. Uh, and if you want to do business, also very happy. But if you don't want to be do business and just talk, also very happy. I love that. And I'm going to leave Carlos's LinkedIn detail in the in the description, in the caption. Um, and yeah, like we met two, three, two years ago and it was also a LinkedIn connection. Not sure if we did business together as much as we talked about business together. Um and I personally have had a blast uh, talking to you in today's episode. Me too, my friend. But always, as always, talking to you and learning what's latest in the insurance industry. Um, so thank you, Carlos, for being with us in, in today's episode. Thank you, Omar. Pleasure. And I'm here to talk to you anytime you want. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Engage. This podcast is sponsored by Destiny Engage, the customer engagement platform for growing businesses. For show notes, to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And to learn more about how you can transform customer engagement today, visit destinyengage.com slash podcast.